On this episode of War No Dam Experts, we talk about why Great Falls is Montana's museum capital. Best damn podcast, the best damn town. You want to get up, get ready to get down. Welcome to the greatest damn town in Montana, Great Falls. I'm Rebecca Ingham. I'm Maddie Seller-Hazard. And we're no damn experts. But we do have an expert with us today. Another guest. I know, he's cringing right now. (laughs) This is the man that I met probably two weeks ago, and I tell him, we are collecting photos for our visitor guide and we want to showcase all the museums because did you know great falls is montana's museum capital and rob turnbow the board chair of the museum consortium is like i know (laughs) (laughs) so please welcome to the podcast um the malmstrom museum director and the the word i can never say museum consortium board chair Rob Turnbow. There we go. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Maricela. <laughs> so that happened, oh. Rebecca. I'm like telling him all about museums. He's like, yeah, I know what that is. I kind of <laughs> do kinda, that. Kind of do that for a day job. Yeah. And so we here in Great Falls, we lay claim to fame for being the museum capital of Montana. How many museums do we have now? At least 10. Yeah. At least. <laughs> See? That's a lot. So there's 10 that are part of the museum consortium. uh, And we're exploring others that possibly... Because there's rules to be part of this consortium. You don't just let anybody in. Correct. Is it a closed secret society? (laughs) It is not. No, uh, we want to try to broaden, you know, the idea is that we help each other out. Mm -hmm. And, well, to do that, you need members. So, you know... (laughs) But you also need members that have an offering that are open to the public that can be, I mean, right. there are some things that are so cool, and we've talked about this, so cool in our community to be able to see, but you have to have the secret password and know the back door and the alley it's in in order to get to it, and it's not very accessible to people who want to come and experience that because it's just not open with regular hours, which is part of the requirements to have a have a business that's established for people to visit. Yes, it is. So, you know, active board, established hours, uh, regular hours. Yeah. Um, with our current status of COVID, um, <laughs> we still have established hours, but it might be a by appointment only, which is acceptable. We still have our established hours and our established board or foundation or whatever uh, that might be an overseer for that entity. Yeah, so Malmstrom Museum is a little bit behind the COVID reopening just because you guys are on base, right? Right. I'm open to the public by appointment only. Yeah. Um, So, and I've. I would want to know who's coming. I want to know, be prepared. Well, and I've been on base a few times to do trainings. And so when I came to the tourism thing, and I'm like, oh, the base museum. So I took a tour out there and saw what it was. And. And then I get questions like, 
I'm from Canada. I'd like to go to the base museum. I'm like, oh. You can. <laughs> and they're asking me these questions. I'm like, you know what? Who I love <laughs> it when you call and say, do you have availability? I've got some Canadians here that would love to visit your museum. And I'm like, send them my way. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, really? And he's like, yeah. yeah, not an issue. So I mean, there are requirements, of course. You're going to be coming on a federal installation, yeah. an active Air Force base. So in and that's, there are things that are going to be needed. So <laughs> and you need that from, from pretty much anyone who comes on right. who's non-military. I can't just walk in and, and do it as well. Like I'm pretty much a Canadian from that perspective yeah. as well. You just got to go yep. to the visitor center, get your pass, right? give them your social yep. security number, your Canadian drivers, Yeah, Canadian driver's licenses work just as well as the United States driver's license. Crazy. In Weird. fact, easier than a passport. <laughs> oh, well, the more you know. But you need a passport to get here, though. Right? right, but you don't need it to get on the base. Okay. Your Canadian driver's license actually works much smoother. Okay. Uh, you don't want to confuse the, the visitor center. And that's always the case. Canadian friends, you know, we love you very much. And for you to act like you're a foreign country is crazy for us as it is for you because we're neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> we forget there's a country difference. So I want to talk about the museums that we do have, the, I guess, what I would consider the most visited, mm -hmm. the ones that people seek first. And then I want you guys to correct me because I think like many other people, I like going to museums, but I did it as a kid in field trips. I never went to a museum as an adult. Mm. I mean, I did a few times in the military and I, I enjoyed it, but it was planned for me. But when I started working here at tourism, I went to the Russell and I came back Rebecca probably still remembers my face. I was so excited. <laughs> I got like a one-on-one -on -one tour with Dwayne, and I was there for over an hour, and I was like, did you know this, this, and that? And Rebecca's just looking at me like nodding her head like, yep, know yeah. all that. It's open to the public. You could have gone before. At the Interpretive Center? No, at the um, CM Russell Museum. But she's looking at me. She's like, I'm glad you're excited about this, but we need to get everyone else excited, like on your same level. Yeah. And even... I know Dwayne Bushai at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center. He's going to be on our podcast on June 25th. We'll share that at the end of June. But Dwayne, the something director, he's on one of the higher levels at um, the CM Russell Museum. He gave me a tour of the CM Russell Museum, and I was like, wow. So I think everyone else needs to stop acting like me. And when we say go to a museum, you need to be super, super, super excited because they are awesome when – we had a family visit. I was like, oh, you, you need to go to the CM Russell Museum. They have the bison exhibit on the lower level floor, and the floor will even move like it's a stampeding herd. They're like, what? Like, they, they, they start getting excited. That's pretty right. cool. So I want people to listen to this podcast and know, like, oh, museum. It's not like. It's not just for old stodgy people. Or kids that are 12 years old going, you know. It's, it's for some, everyone. Yeah. So And we, you can go to the brewery afterwards and still sound cool talking about your trip to the museum. Oh, my. Yeah. When we went to the museum with Soren and she's like, did you know that in the paintings, blue was the most expensive color and it was reserved for royalty just because making the blue color is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, she's smart. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did a, a demonstration, or I filmed a demonstration at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, and there was a former park ranger. I forgot his name, but I will link it in the show notes. And he was talking about the beads that they used during the fur trade during Lewis and Clark Interpretive Times. Okay. And he was saying again with the blue, 
these were the most expensive ones. And I wanted to say, <laughs> I knew that <laughs> because I went to a museum, but I didn't want to obviously interrupt it. So we have obviously the CM Russell Museum, which is Western art, both old, original and contemporary the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, one of the largest of its kind, focusing on the core of discovery. And we have Malmstrom Museum, which I got like an, it was about an hour, right, tour with you, Rob? Yes. And it, you walk in and you're like, can I spend an hour here? Oh, yeah. And then the same reaction. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's just inside the museum. Did you make her tour the air park outside of the museum? She did walk around outside. Oh, yeah. good. Like, take good a look job. At this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good I mean, job. I've been there before, and my daughter did run through the fields mimicking an airplane, so it's for <laughs> kids, too. <laughs> right. Um, and then we have the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art, which is here in town as well, which is more contemporary art. A little outside of ways is the First People's Buffalo Jump State Park and Interpretive Center. And then the other ones that are, like, are hidden. Where's the Railroad Museum? Where's, is that it's in, in the fairgrounds. Okay, okay. I saw the address, the 403rd Avenue, yeah. the 3rd Street. It's in the fairgrounds, and they're open, actually, I can't remember the hours they're open, but they are open now that their fairgrounds are back, back open. open. <laughs> so, um, That's good enough. So, And they've actually gotten special tours or special requests coming up because there's some reunions and things like that going on, and they the... the uh, some of those reunion folks have actually asked that they be open for their people to be able to walk through. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and they're so accommodating that way. Like, if you've got a group coming in, they're so... We I called uh, the director of the Railroad Museum uh, regarding BMW, Motorcycle Owners Association Rally. They had some... We had some people who are coming, and they wanted some specific railroad history bike routes they could take. And I'm like... Uh, can you help? <laughs> oh, of course I can help. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> See, if we spent more time at that museum, we'd be able to sound smart and just answer the question right away. We yeah. probably need to go on a tour. We probably and get do. some pictures. Exactly. <laughs> I think I might have that planned <laughs> this week. Yeah. Dean, Dean Zook can hook you up. <laughs> the History Museum, which we've mentioned before on the podcast before, which had the um, the same... Or no, it had the exhibit for the new, the Berlin airlift. Yeah, and I'm just—I was hoping you were gonna soft pitch that one to me yeah, because I'm soft pitching it and drop the ball, but it's rolling your way. It's a bunt. I got giddy over the Berlin Airlift Veterans Association, and um, that was the first time I got the full tour of the Malmstrom Air Force Base Museum because the Berlin Airlift Veterans. Reunion was here, oh man, four years ago now. Roughly. And they are a group of people who were stationed here at Great Falls for training before they went to Germany to fly the Berlin Airlift. And if you don't know anything about it, come to Great Falls. We've got a lot of exhibits about this. <laughs> or you could also probably Google the Berlin Airlift just to get some general information. But since they were there, you have a portion at the Malmstrom Air Force Base Museum that's connected to the Berlin Airlift uh, veterans or the Berlin airlift mission. And then the history museum captured some of that content in a video format and had an exhibit on the Berlin airlift Two museums collaborative together, two different times about that mission. 
And in addition to the Berlin airlift, they also had information about the air ferrying mission from... World War One, two, World hmm. War Two. So the Seventh Ferrying Group, there we go, came into town 22 June of 1942, and they were active as soon as they hit town. And their job was to receive aircraft and getting them transported out to wherever they needed to go. And one of their particular missions that predominated what they did was the Soviet Lend Lease program, program. which was getting receiving aircraft, getting them outfitted to Soviet specifications, painted to the Soviet paint scheme, and ferried, on a fancy way of saying flown, <laughs> up through Canada to Ladd Field in Fairbanks, where they were turned over to Soviet pilots who flew them across the Bering Strait in Siberia towards their front, the, the Eastern Front, against the Nazis. All right here. And that history yeah. is here. And so, but the 7th Varying Group, the that Soviet Lend-Lease program moved out to Great Falls Army Air Base uh, about... Well, by December of 43, okay. uh, they had control of it, and we continued. But all in all, there were about 8,000 aircraft that came through Great Falls to go to the Soviets. And then you've got the Berlin Airlift training right. that was at what is now Malmstrom Air Force Correct. Base. And the land lease incorporated the Montana Expo Park, which is where the railroad museum is. So they're just— yeah. So, so much connection. Man, if only you could tour all 10 museums <laughs> one one pass. with one pass in one day and just pretty much just become the most smartest person ever. Maricela remembers part of what I talked about. There was the 34th Sub Depot, which was housed at the fairgrounds during World War II huh. in the beginning of that Soviet Lend-Lease program. I didn't know that. Yeah. I remember, I remember when people talk, you know. Well, people that's good. They don't think I'm listening, but hey. <laughs> so... So we've got Railroad, Malmstrom, History, Lewis and Clark, First Peoples, First Peoples, Russell, Paris Gibson, Paris Gibson, Gallery Trinitas. Oh, yeah. The Tell w- us what that deal is. I've not been. I have not either, but I'm going there this week. I know it's at the University of Providence, and or, yeah, and they have these gorgeous photos. And, and it's, it's Sister Trinitas's work. Yes. These uh, are a lot t- of pottery and stained glass type painting. Ooh. Um, while they were here. Is it open to the public? It is by appointment only okay. at the moment. From what I understand, it's still by appointment only. So, but they're, they're looking at it. Yeah. Same with meetings and conventions. We've gotten, like, certain people can't access the school grounds yet. Right. Not a big deal. But hey, we're upward trend. <laughs> upward trend. And then there's the, which... Let me let me preface this. Jason, our sales director here, he had the same face that I had when he, when I visited the Russell Museum. He had that same face when he came back after he visited the Ursuline Center. Oh yeah, he was like, "That place is so cool," and he like, <laughs> he's like, "Do you have a minute? Are you like in the middle of anything?" Like he just rambling, like has to tell me about it. And then he said, "Are you gonna go there and get take pictures?" I said, "I am." He's like, "Well, let me know. I might take along with because that place is so cool," and I, yeah. I'm excited to go. They, they said that they have the viewing area for where there used to be funerals, and Tom pointed out, "Look at the rugs." Look at how they're in great shape, but then look at this rug. It's, it has a pattern. It's because the kids would run around or when mm. they would see the coffins. And that's still there. You can see it. Wow. Yeah. 
So the Ursuline Center is from, has Catholic heritage. Right. It doesn't have a specific sister like Gallery Trinitas, correct? Or... Well, I thought the one... No, that's... I thought the one sister, like in the tower. Yeah, the sister, tower sister. Towers. There we go. Yeah. She the had all notes. these gifts. You would catch me lying if I tried to talk in depth you're about it. You're not a damn expert. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Obviously, neither are we about this. The video is striking. I'm once again going there this week. Visitor or listeners, if you haven't noticed, I'm uh, taking some photos of our museums this week. And yeah. I can't wait to go there and see the, the tower. And I will link that in the show notes. It's going to be great. Um, there's another museum that isn't part of the consortium yet, but I'm kind of hoping it is. The Brother Van Museum? So the historic house, right? Yes. Um, they have asked. So we, we that's one of the two places that we are going to approach to find out if they've got a board and, and set hours. Last time they approached us, they didn't have set hours yet. Yeah. Okay. So, but we are looking at them. Uh, if if they don't meet the guidelines, you know, we'll see what we can do. But um, you know, the, the biggest thing is is that there is some collaboration going on with these locations. So when we have big events where it involves all the museums, we can include them. Right. They may Just not knowing be, they exist. They might not be able to meet the criteria to be a part of the the consortium, but they could certainly benefit from it. Who's the other one that might make the list? Well, I asked Rob, and I said, hey, do you know who James Parker Shield is? And he says, uh, no, I don't. And I'm like, well, you don't listen to our podcast, do you? <laughs> well, James Parker Shield was on our three episodes because we had a conversation with him, and it was an hour and a half to our It was song. amazing. My leg went to sleep. And he's at the end, he's like, you were kind of fidgeting at the end. I'm like, because I had to use the bathroom, but I didn't want to pause you because you were, you were in the middle of it. James Parker Shield highlighted Native American history and influence culture in the Great Falls area. And one of the quotes we pulled from him that is going to be part of our article in a visitor guide is that the Native American history in Great Falls is kind of like gold mining and you come across nuggets. And I found one of those nuggets myself when I was touring the Malmstrom Museum. And Rob is like, and here, this is where... They had the naming ceremony for the commanders. So, Rob, can you repeat that? Because I know one of them was there. One of them had well, a double name. Okay, so we had in 1953, December of 53, the 407th Strategic Fighter Wing stood up, and there were four primary operations squadrons within that wing. Three of them brand new fighter squadrons, mm -hmm. and these brand new fighter squadrons. They didn't have the cool patches to put on their jackets, so the flyboys were kind of forlorn about that. But they were given liberty to create their own. And so they incorporated Native American symbology from a few different tribes in the region into their patches. Oh, my gosh. And so the 515th, 516th, and 517th strategic fighter squadrons, you have Crow, Blackfeet, and Arapaho symbology wrapped into their patches. Oh my gosh. And then the 407th Air Refueling Squadron followed suit the next year with their design that included a Cinnaboyne hmm. symbology. That was not part of my tour. Yeah. Well, tell the, me. <laughs> so the Blackfeet tribal elders got word of it and they came down and they put on kind of some demonstrations, right? Well, the chief had a surprise up his sleeve. 
and I've got pictures. He's holding, it looks like a black, long black pouch of some kind, but the the, the story is it holds the sacred feathers they use for naming ceremonies, oh. and they turn it into a naming ceremony, and they dub Native American names on the weak wing group and squadron leadership. Names like Big Chief High Cloud, Big Chief White Cloud, and Oh, big Chief Bear wow. Chief. Big Chief Bear Chief. That's the one. <laughs> big Chief that's Bear Chief. That was the one. big air refuelers. They're Goose like these thumbs. huge. Big Chief Air. How bear cool Chief. would that be? That would be amazing. And you got it on video? I don't have it on video. Picture. No, I've got pictures. Probably couldn't take video. You didn't have cell phones then. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the nuggets. But that leads into the other uh, museum that Rob is trying to approach to see if they'll become part of the consortium. And we all are, not just me. Oh, don't, well. don't, don't put it all on me. So uh, there's a Rob's few of us. Rob's the chairman of the board, though. <laughs> uh, so chairperson, right? <laughs> I haven't personally been the one to approach them. There's a couple of other key members of the board that, that are great with these individuals. Um, for example, Christy Scott, mm-hmm. yeah, um, the director for the, the History Museum, mm-hmm. and Sarah Justice, and I, I don't want yeah. to leave them all out, but the, you know, yeah. get the idea. Um, they're good at reaching out and talking to these folks, and so and I I totally discombobulate their name every time I the say the little it. shell Thank interpretive you. center, right? Something along those lines. Oh yeah, the Cultural Heritage Center. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So things are in the works. So they're looking. That's exciting. They didn't have a, a board or set hours at the time. And yeah, was, they're that was working a couple of years on ago. it. So, but I know they've been working on it. So we're gonna try again and see where they're at. Oh, this is gonna be so much fun. I know. And the reason why we're giddy about more people joining the consortium, and it seems like a silly, silly, simple thing. But the consortium collaborates for the entire museums that are here making us the museum capital and makes it super easy for our non-residents, guests, to be able to access all the museums. Instead of picking up 15 or 20 different brochures, they get one. Or they get one print-off that shows these are all the museums that you can visit while you're here. It's not just one, and it will take you more than a day to do this um, education excitement thing. So should Sunday Sampler be weekend sampler? Really should be. So we've hinted at it. We've hinted, and (laughs) I would say for maybe maybe the other institutions could pull it off, but the amount of paperwork and legwork that is needed in order for me to open up the oh. corridor for on an active military installation, you're doubling it, if not more, um, to do more than just the five hours that we normally <laughs> do. Okay. Seems uh, like uh, seems like there's a lot of work that needs to be done just on your part. And that comes with the territory of yeah. being on an active military base, right? Yeah. Just move the gate then. <laughs> I mean, that's one simple way. Mm-hmm. Makes your job easier. <laughs> I'm sure that's way more simple than paperwork to expand. He can renovate a basement. He can move a gate. <laughs> <laughs> There's been talk, you know, different ideas have been pitched on how to make the museum more accessible. Uh, but it won't be any time in the near future. Yeah, I mean. Most likely. That's so, challenging. Yes. I mean, we understand it because it's right near the barrier after you enter 
Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed. A lot of logistics there. Right. But, and yeah. I'm not former military, so I can just tell you from a civilian, it seems like there's just a lot of steps to protect the safety of that military installation. So, of all military installations, maybe Rebecca. that's a good thing. <laughs> and if you come and visit me, you can find out why. Why? <laughs> so, we want to talk a little bit. Well, we, me, I want to talk more about the Malmstrom Museum and how there's these little things that you pick up. And people, when you're there, you need to ask questions because I said to Rob, hey, are those phones hung up upside down? And he's like, oh, to the normal person they are. But hey, he knows all the reasons why um, at the Malmstrom Museum they showcase what the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The Minuteman 2 is on display. And then Minuteman the, 3 is the one on display in the oh, air park. Oh, okay. The Minuteman 3 is on display. Um, but what was the other one from the 70s? It's in the further back corner. Oh, the the capsule. Yeah, the so capsule. down on the ground. The capsule. All right. So the launch control center, as we call them now, uh, there's a Minuteman 1 set up. Not in its entirety, but it gives you a really good idea and feel of what the folks worked in and lived in when they were on alert. Yeah. So alert is when you're down below ground working. So that's what the word is because yeah. my husband is a nuclear missile officer and it took me a little bit to get to this. I'm on alert. What? They're taking their orders from a combatant command known as STRATCOM or strategic command. Yeah. Uh, instead of well, necessarily the wing commander, you know, outside of that there it's, it's training and equipping, but they're, when they're on alert, they're receiving their orders from a higher power. <laughs> yes. But in, it's a very small capsule. And we really don't need to know more than that. Well, you, in your, when you study school, there's someone out there with a football. That's what it's called, the football. Um, but I noticed, like, hey, the phones are hung up upside down because it's the ones with the landline. He's like, oh, because there's not a lot of space. But if you wrap it around and hang it upside down, you know, freed up all that counter space. I'm like, that's yeah. 16 square inches. And that's how much they need. <laughs> but they also have all Cramp space. the um, the uniforms on display through the year, which I like is really part. cool. And I think when you go there, um, you should ask Rob about the hysterical nine and that uniform. Oh, the committee of nine. The committee of nine. The hysterical record. The hysterical record. There, <laughs> see. If it was a multiple choice question, you're I, doing really well, though. I could pick. <laughs> he's rem she remembers some stuff. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> I remember a lot. Okay, but you can go there and you can see all these cool military things. You can even see what a bunk looked like back then, and then the um, small displays of what the hangars looked like. Yeah, it's really you find cool. out what the difference between a missile and a rocket is. Yeah, real fast, and then. <laughs> And then they have this section in there, which is probably a little bit bigger than this podcast studio, which is probably 12 by 10. And it has the glass display of all the uh, model airplanes. It's That's probably one of the bigger rooms in there. Um, okay. And so there's a large model aircraft display. There's about 360 model aircraft, uh, all, almost all military, not all U.S., and it's it's but, uh, haunted. <laughs> he said it's haunted because sometimes he'll like open up the shop and they've like fallen over. They've tipped. Well, they 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 move they're themselves. Not necessarily haunted. Well, so, but they move themselves. They move themselves because uh, vibrations in the building. Ghost breath. No. Ghost breath. 
ro- they rotate. They don't fall necessarily over, but they'll rotate on their landing gear on the glass shelf. Well, because I guess some, sometimes it rattles on base. And I the, can see that happening out there. Or it's ghost. windy. What, what are we going to say? It's either you it's know windy what? or it's a ghost. Here, here we are again asking for you to weigh in. Is it ghosts or is it vibration? I mean, it's definitely ghosts. I'm not even going to put this on a pull out there. Um, we were talking with Rob earlier about the Missouri River octopus um, and how, well, the octopus, octotulpus that's on the river's edge trail is one of our environmental pieces of art. And I said, yeah, we just want people to think it's the Missouri River octopus. It and was a native stories. species. Yeah. yeah. Rob tells me that Great Falls Rocks, he found out that they're going to be little... Octopus rocks? Octopi? Uh, well, no, that Alex Smithson is going to make them, and then they're also going to be some by the pine cone. Instead of pine cone, it'll be pine spoons. I don't know if you can just find them, mm-hmm. but there's going to be more treasure hunts. I saw something out there. You'd have to check out Great Falls Rocks on Facebook and see. And we encouraged people last year to do that. Yeah. So, so many cool things to do. Yeah. But, and, so. and do the Sunday Sampler, which is coming April of 2022. It can't compete with Easter. Nope. And it can't compete with... The icebreaker. The icebreaker. It's a very strategic date. So it's going yeah. to be that Sunday that's not the icebreaker and not Easter. And I can't remember the date off the top of my hey, it'll head, be in the but show it's already notes. set. <laughs> it will be in the show notes. You don't notes. need to know specifics. <laughs> this podcast is not based on actual specific data. No. Just stories and ideas. <laughs> Some so, of it true. <laughs> We're going to we're going to close this up soon, but I want to let people know that all these muse- museums, I haven't been to them all, been to a lot. But one of the coolest things out there that I think it's a great reaction is the Lee Steen exhibit at the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art. We mentioned this last podcast episode, but it's either scary or you love it. And then at the Russell Museum, there's the bison exhibit, the floor moves and you can see awesome art. And my, I mean, my personal favorite, the Malmstrom Museum, is going to be the story of the Committee of Nine hysterical record. Right. Uh, so we uniform. forgot one very critical museum, and it's my favorite because I'm a child at heart. Oh, the Children's <gasps> Museum. And that's oh the God. Children's Museum of Montana. Yes. I talked to Tim today, and, and we're going there. I'm going to find some child models, and we're going to take some <laughs> photos of it. But, yeah, the Children's Museum, they're, they're open from, like, what, 930 to 5 every day, pretty much? And they have their STEM camps, and... They're always booked with tours. Sherry's very busy yeah. over there. And it's right, yeah. right near the um, number one or the best mural in Great Falls. The uh, underpass bridge, and they have the water on the steps and that. Yeah. yeah. Man, I feel bad. I haven't taken my daughter there, but my husband has. So she's been, just not with me. They've always got great displays. and They're always working on more. Okay, so that's your yeah. favorite one? Of course. You know, oh. a child at heart, right? <laughs> for, for the other exhibits or the other museums, um, the First People's Buffalo Jump State Park, when I pe- tell people to go there in the Interpretive Center, um, I say try and go there t- towards when they're closing, depending on the season when sunset is. So you can go into the Interpretive Center, see the life-size bison buffalo, if you want to get into the correct name, because it's a bison, and then go up to the upper center, and then or upper visitor center, and see sunset there, and see Square yeah. Butte, and then pay attention to you know how that works. We have an entire episode about how buffalo don't jump. Um, 
They're lead. They're lead. <laughs> <laughs> About that museum. And then the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, obviously the dugout. I think it's a showstopper. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's it also... Is. And it's all open now. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, we, Like, again, I was talking to Dwayne at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center. He's going to be on our podcast later this month. And he asked, what's the topic going to be about? And he said Lewis and Clark, because last time he was on, it was only about John Coulter. Um, <laughs> so we have more to come about the museums. And we really hope that you're excited about being in Great Falls, taking the time to go to at least at least five of the museums while you're here. If you want to plan four days of just museums, you can hit all 10. But you're going to be just just as excited as I was when you go to these for the first time. They all have something great to offer. That you just It's like wow factor sometimes. Yeah. And so. all those little mm. nuggets that you can find. Right. So if you want to make my job easier and you have awesome images of you enjoying the museums here in Great Falls, you can email me at podcast at visitgreatfalls.org and I would love to see them and feature them on our website and visitor guide. And if you want to know how to get access onto Malmstrom Museum, you can read our show notes. There's going to be a contact number for the museum as well as their appointment hours available and all the other museums here in Great Falls. Rob, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast today and talk about Malmstrom Museum and all the other amazing museums in Great Falls. It's been a pleasure. It was my pleasure, too. Thank you. And we can't wait to see your bright, smiling face here in Great Falls. So until next time, bye-bye. Adios. We're no damn experts is the recorded claims from Great Falls, Montana, covering what you need to know about this amazing damn town. On the next episode of War No Damn Experts, we have the executive director of the Great Falls Symphony here in the podcast studio, and you won't want to miss this hilarious episode, so look out for it next week. War No Damn Experts is produced by Great Falls Montana Tourism with original music by the best damn musician, Joel Corda. <laughs>